When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my name is Dan. I am your host for this podcast. It's called Desert Island Dicks, if you haven't noticed before when you were downloading it, or maybe it just came into your consciousness by accident. But um, anyway, here we are. This episode features Finn Taylor. He's a funny comedian. I mean, most comedians are funny, some more than others. It's subjective. I happen to think he's a very funny comedian. So check out his stuff. But first, check out this podcast that he's done with us, because uh, I think it'll entertain you. And that's basically what we're all trying to do here, isn't it? If we're all honest with ourselves, aren't we just trying to have a good time? If you've had a good time listening to this podcast in the past, or you have a good time listening to it today, then please do consider giving us a little rating and a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you get this from. Uh, it's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. And to show you my appreciation, I'm going to stop talking now and let you listen to Desert Island Dicks with Finn Taylor. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian and host of Finn vs. the Internet, Finn Taylor. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm excited. <laughs> good, good. You ready to, to vent? Yeah, because there's too many podcasts where you've got to pick your favourite things <laughs> and you've got to be positive when I don't have that many favourite things. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, a few of your favourite things, it would just be a very short song if it was you doing that one. Yeah, but also I don't want to listen to the same song over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The premise of Desert Island Discs is fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think with Desert Island Discs, I mean, you would just hate all the music that you brought with you by the end. You'd just never listen to it ever again. Yeah, you, you just wouldn't listen to music. There was famously, in, like a long time ago, I think it was one of the episodes in like the 50s or 60s or something, there was an opera singer who just picked seven of her own songs. Yeah, I respect that. Proper diva behaviour. Let's just see this for what it is, a chance to plug my own work. That's a very <laughs> admirable way of taking on Desert Island Discs. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, cool. And uh, I mean, so normally I ask people at the at the beginning of the recording if if they're the sort of people that find it easy to rant. I mean, it feels already like, you know, we're, you're not going to have any problem with this. No, I, I suppose my main question is, what is your, um, what is this podcast position on libel laws? <laughs> um, that's how far, how far are we able to go, really? Yeah, no, I, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I just find, I find everything nowadays quite baffling. Mm. It just culturally, politically, every, everything. And I, I, I sort of I try not to just open a vent because I feel like I don't want to become that guy, that sort of guy that writes for the Times who wears red trousers and just sort of bleats on about the death of Test cricket. But I, I mean, I'm I'm probably ten years away from that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just a real grumpy fucking English middle-aged man. Mm. Is that you? Is that why you started this? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think there's definitely a point that you reach when you suddenly go, God, I'm getting really angry about the bins these days. And like, yeah. and sort of, you know, motor, like electric scooters on the pavement going too fast and those sort of things, you know. It's- Thames water, bane <laughs> of my life at the moment. Yeah, Thames water, e-scooters. I do this thing. Um, I don't think I have anger issues. I think I, I think I have anger, but I just deal with it. So I don't think it's an issue. But uh, my wife sort of has got an Amazon addiction. I mean, she's on maternity leave, so it I mean, makes sense. She's bored, but she's just buying just crap. So when I'm t- sort of folding down the cardboard and recycling it, I do. I have a little um, multi-tool mm. knife, and I just stab the fuck out of the cardboard. <laughs> I lay it up against the bins, and I just... Fuck out. Um, I do that on bin night. Is that normal? That's fair, <laughs> isn't it? That's a very male thing. Yeah. Yeah, I see loads of people doing it up and down my street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Therapy? No, no, I'll just stab the car. I'll just stab a cardboard up against the bins. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I can see you're champing at the bit, so let's just get stuck into it. Who's going to be the first person joining you on the island? Phil Spencer from Kirsty and Phil. Okay. This guy is just a peak twat. I don't know what, <laughs> what else to say like the one thing you need as a TV presenter is to be able to sort of talk to people mm. and to sort of have a basic level of social interaction. He just doesn't have it. He just sort of has these crazy wild eyes and he, and, and he slaps people on the arm far too hard. <laughs> and he sort of laughs. You know when someone laughs and nothing's, nothing's funny has been said, so you go, ha 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 ha! And he's just, he's a maniac. Um, and I, uh, I've worked with, I, I, I used to do TV warm up, and um, he had this show that I don't, it can't still be going. It's called Common Denominator, right? And it was, um, it was a quiz show, and contestants would have to guess the the link, but they couldn't say link because of like the weakest link, so they had to say the common denominator. So every time there was a question which obviously it's a quiz show, there's loads of questions. Every time he'd say, what is the common denominator? And he couldn't say common denominator. So <laughs> the records would go on for fucking 10 hours because he would have to go, what's the common denominator? Sorry, what is the common denominator? He couldn't read an autocue. He couldn't talk to anyone. His banter was worse than Paul McCartney's. <laughs> the guy is a walking nightmare. I want nothing to do with him. And I do like property shows. That's the annoying thing. So he's just always fucking there. <laughs> My mum was always, she really liked location, location, location. And when I was looking for a house years ago, like she kept saying, do you know what? I watched that and they get some really good results. You know, they're really good at haggling for the couple. Why don't I sign you up to be on that? And I was like, because I don't want to meet Kirsty and Phil. I don't want them in my house. I don't want to deal with them. <laughs> and she just couldn't understand. She's like, but they'd be so helpful. I was like, I don't want to meet them. <laughs> I quite like Kirsty. I quite like her um, chutzpah. And are they actually married? Is that are they like Richard and Judy? Are they married? Uh, I don't think so, but I don't know a lot about them, so I could be wrong. I think they're just two sort of estate agency people, aren't they? I don't know. But that's the thing. What came first? Were they TV people who got into property, or were they, uh, are they literally just got estate estate agents that got famous? Is that what happened? Because if it's a, if he was an estate agent first, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always assumed that they came from property first, but I've never looked into it, so I don't know. I mean, you're right, though. It would make more sense if he came from that because he hasn't got the sort of charisma and, you know, enthusiasm that you'd expect from a TV presenter. But then it begs the question, 
why not get someone else? Because there's no shortage of people who could, you know, who are, who are good at that job. Yeah, and they would be much more telegenic. I've just Googled it. They're not married. Hmm. Despite the, right, this is complete bollocks. Despite their quick banter and heartwarming <laughs> relationship, Phil has insisted there's nothing but a natural platonic relationship between them. While Kirsty has been keen to make clear that he's a really, really nice person. It feels like they hate each other. And he uh, he especially has nothing but disdain for her. I don't think he... But I just don't think he's able to display any emotion other than mania. If I was on a desert island with him, I just want to get to the other side of the island. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I find with them, they always do a thing where it's, you know, it's a property show and they go, well, I really want to live in this area. And they go, well, this area that we've found is just six miles away, which in a lot of places doesn't make a huge amount. You know, if you live in the countryside, six miles in a different village doesn't make a huge amount of difference. But in London, it's practically like the other side of London. Or, you know, if you're already in South London, going six miles away, you know, you're Croydon. It's not even South London anymore. And and they always kind of go, well, we can't fit your criteria, but this is a TV show. So can you just pretend that you agree with what we found you? Yeah. Because it will make our lives easier. Because otherwise we'll go on for a year with the same couple absolutely and there's just this there's this sense of just grin and bear it from everyone that encounters him just yeah okay mate bye but you wouldn't want to buy a property that he'd had anything to do with because then you'd have to see him again Mm. in the in the actual chain can't think of anything worse than being stuck on an island with phil spencer a strong first choice all right well let's see how he's uh gonna what the sort of interplay will be with the other other uh, guests on the island. Who's your next choice? Right. So I'd like to preface this by saying that I do like, I like drag queens. Okay. I, I like RuPaul's Drag Race. Me and my wife are big fans of that. I have been to see drag live. I've even written for some, for some drag queens. But a drag queen out of context when you don't want to see one is the worst person to be around. <laughs> when you're not in the mood, there is nothing worse. Yeah! Like, it's so grating. <laughs> and, like, if you're in, if you're up for it, great night out. If you're stuck on a desert island and there's just someone with three-foot hair and eyelashes just being, being sassy while you're trying to survive, <laughs> I cannot think of anything worse. I don't know. Who, maybe, maybe it would be a nice foil to Phil Spencer, actually. Oh, I think Phil Spencer would absolutely loathe being stuck with it. He would. He would really hate it. He wouldn't know what to do. But do you know what I mean? There's just a, like, it's such, for me, it's such a, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'll go and see this. But if I'm just trying to get on with my day, the drag queen would be so annoying. Yeah, just like, you know, you're trying to get some coconuts. They're making lots of double entendre about nuts in your hands and things like that. You're like, not now. Like, I'm 40 feet up a tree. I'm trying to hold on. Ooh, 40 feet up, 40 feet up my tree. Ooh, it'd be like living in a carry-on film. It'd be a fucking <laughs> nightmare. Sass is fine, but not constantly. Yeah, I agree. I think... I mean, apart from quite enjoying the image of Phil Spencer and a drag queen, sort of him being chased around and they, you know, they're trying to sort of spank his bum or something. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about how they'd interact with each other. I just picked my choices in isolation. But actually, 
It's getting more interesting, I will. <laughs> I concede. Yeah, but at some point, he'll just storm off somewhere and won't be found. He'll probably... I can imagine him kind of storming into the jungle and going a bit feral and sort of being rediscovered, having gone a bit mad and made himself a crown out of leaves. And, you know, but meanwhile, you're stuck with the drag queen and it's sort of, can we just have a normal conversation That's now? it. I just want them to just... But it's the always on. Just ta- yeah, it's the, that's exactly it. It's the always on. Just take the wig off. What's your real name? Stop singing. There've been I've been, actually I went to a gig once. It was a, a comedy gig in Australia, which was ruined by there was a drag queen in the audience that was sort of in character that kept clicking and like instead of like laughing and kept holding her hand up. It was just like trying to drag focus, I guess. That's not. I didn't mean the pun. <laughs> yeah, it's just that kind of um, when you're not expecting it. There's nothing worse. The idea of a drag queen, you know, when they're so done up and pristine, seeing them sort of gradually deteriorate over time as the wig gets sand in it and the makeup starts to run. Yeah. I mean, you know, a month in, you're just it's going to look like some weird Halloween zombie <laughs> drag queen. It's going to, you know, she's, she's going to be terrifying looking by the end of it. That's true. And I think, you know, obviously there's no reason they wouldn't want to get stuck in and, you know, mucking with the tasks on the island and stuff. But it's all going to be a bit more difficult because, you know, of long nails and heels. And cattiness. Mm. Cattiness is funny when you're paying to see it. But if you're in like, if you're, if you're sat next to a drag queen when the plane's going down, oh, no, you know, just it's not, <laughs> it's not time for camper sides. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think the two you've picked so far are superb and um you know it's kind of drink up a wonderful image in my head. So who's going to who's going to finish off the the trio? Basically there's this woman on TikTok. I don't know what her name is, but she just films herself eating raw meat. <laughs> I think she got banned because I think they thought she was encouraging because because it starts a trend or something. Right. But yeah, she uh she just she just has these crazy eyes and she just takes a bite out of like a whole raw chicken. There's this massive bit of red meat that she just sort of dips in a tray of salt and just starts chewing at. She eats a, a whole like fish head off, like rips it off. Oh man! I'm just thinking practically. If we're struggling to find food and we find the fish, but then she's she just eats it before you've had a chance to cook it. That's going to be a real a real bum out. Definitely. And is she doing it? She's just doing it for shock. She's not because there's a lot of people these days who, you know, advocate things like raw meat diets and stuff like yes, that. Yes, it's not. There? No, it's not. This is not a um, diet influencer. This is a crazy woman who has a camera <laughs> and seemingly no method, no heat source in her house. Uh, she just stares into the camera and puts some music underneath her eating raw meat. Wow. Well, it's just kind of the whole TikTok thing is is kind of baffling in that the only things that seem to do well are authentically crazy people. Mm. They don't want to see anything that's been like scripted or produced. They just want to see people in their most feral, mad, base animal uh, instincts. Mm. Just like dancing or pissed or eating raw meat. That's all people want. It feels a bit like, because it's, you know, maybe a slightly younger social media than the ones I'm used to, where it's like, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's, you know, one step removed from what I understand as being normal social media. It's just that bit crazier because it's sort of maybe like a slightly younger generation who are more into it. So I kind of, it's more baffling to me. Like I'll see 
clips of stuff from TikTok, and I'm like, is that is that the that's the whole thing? But what is the? Yeah, I don't know. What, and I, what, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get why someone lip syncing. I I put clips of my stand up on there, and a girl lip synced to it while doing her makeup. Like this clip got three million views, and then she just lip synced the audio, putting makeup on, and that got three million views. I'm like, who's watching that? <laughs> what? Why? It's really weird, isn't it? It's so weird. I mean, yeah, the raw meat because it sort of starts off as well. You think, okay, this person's doing their thing. That's giving them a lot of credit. <laughs> doing their thing makes it sound like <laughs> they have any kind of art. I can't stress how it's just a woman like. Where I, where you can see me now, this close to the camera, just eating raw meat for thirty oh, seconds. Oh man, that's horrendous. I think, I think, I think maybe influencers in general, in the same way that a drag queen's always on, an influencer now, you know, you're basically, you're you privatized your entire human experience, mm. and you're selling it through advertisers to an audience. That is incredibly annoying if you're just next to them the whole time. Yeah. It sort of feels like if, you know, if you had three wishes from a genie and you'd have to think really carefully because one thing that you thought would be really useful, like, I don't know, having superhuman strength would later come back to bite you and it's a double-edged sword and you're too strong and it doesn't work. It's like with influencers, you're like, do you want to earn lots of money doing very little? Yes. What's your thing? This. Raw meat. And you're like, okay, fine. There's your there's your success. <laughs> oh, fuck now. Like, this is all I can do. And people go, are you the raw meat woman? God, I wish I just picked makeup like the rest of them. It's like that. There's a Japanese woman who who smushes bread with her face. <laughs> you aware of her? No. I, I think she's more a YouTube. This is more a YouTube. Ge- it's more our generation. Yeah. Than, than TikTok, but that's like that's like a. I think that's a sex thing for some people. It's. I just. This is why I just. I feel like I should. I need to be in my house with the doors locked when I watch stuff like this. It's a scary world out there. It's all getting so strange, isn't it? Sort of like. Someone lip syncing a clip of you, like everything's just so sort of postmodern and and meta at the minute. It's so people used to read novels. <laughs> We'd understand humanity through the written word, mm. and now it's just people pointing at mental health tropes while jiggling their ass to a Drake song, and then you swipe down. There's a woman eating a fucking camel meat raw. I don't understand what's what, like what what's next is what terrifies me. Is what's because TikTok will be done in in five years, and because there'll, there'll be another thing, and I, I cannot for the life of me. That's when I go mad. That's when I just go. I need to live in the middle of nowhere. It's nice to think sometimes that maybe it'll all go so mad that it will reset and people will just become really wholesome and normal. But it's so obviously not going to go that way. It's only going to get stranger. Yeah, I think with the with the meat eating lady. You're going to be on an island. At some point, you probably would just eat raw fish because why not? And you'd pull it out of the sea and it's fresh and it'd be okay. And it's, you know, just providing nutrients rather than pleasure at that point. And I wonder if at the point where everyone's eating raw animals, is she just going to be completely crestfallen? Like, you, you know, you'll just take away all that she has. And it's like, what the fuck do I do now, guys? And she'll just start eating even more crazy shit. Well, she'll just go into cannibalism, won't she? That She will just live stream our breakdown into cannibalism, which I assume is how this ends. Yeah, I think so. If you want it to. I mean, it's up to you, really. It's just it, the fish head one's the worst, man. Well, I, no, it's the chicken. It's literally, she holds up a whole raw chicken and just tears a bit out. And you're like, that, that cannot be good for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Finn. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Okay, well, I, I, like, I really like all food. There's sort of only really one thing that I, I just can't eat. It's boiled beetroot. Mm. I like beetroot when it's been pickled and it's like a sort of relish. Adds mm-hmm. a bit of zing to, I don't know, salmon roll or something. But boiled sliced beetroot, it tastes of earth. You pour in the, the purple water away, it makes me feel queasy. And then the texture, I just, I don't know when I first thought that it was like this was what it would be like to eat a testicle. But I haven't been able to get that thought out of my head. Mm. And I, I so I just can't eat be, boiled beetroot. I just can't stomach it at all yeah it's you're right about that earthiness it's sort of like it tastes sort of dusty doesn't it like it's been on the floor or something it's like it's... Um, yeah and white like potatoes are in the ground too and so are onions mm. but they've come out and you've washed them and they're fine why does a beetroot still taste like the ground it's just one of those things as well that it really infects everything around it yes with some things you could just pick it out if you didn't like tomatoes in a salad yes. you can pick them out preach you pick out a beetroot you can still taste it. What the fuck's going on? It's everywhere. It contaminates everything it touches. You're right. If, if, if it's on there, it, the whole dish is fucked. There's something as well about, I don't know, just the way it's in those packets of sort of... Oh, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. The kind of um, space food, vacuum packed. Yeah, which is the worst thing to keep it in. Uh, because also the, the, the beetroot in the packet, if you feel that, that's like you're checking for lumps on your own balls. Yeah. Like if a lady wants to know what that's like, it's it's that. And I, that makes it worse. I just think, I'm, it just feels like I'm eating testicles. And I mean, also, these are beetroots that have come from a plane. So they're going to be the worst kind of boiled beetroot, you know, in a sort of one of those little salad boxes you get on a plane where everything's a bit too cold. Grim. They're really grim. I think it's it's a good food. I'm I'm interested to see now what you're going to wash it down with, what your drink choice will be. So the only time I've had this was, I think it was the day after our wedding, or maybe the night before. Anyway, my brother-in-law had received this, you know, just when basically they've got like, my in-laws have got this American friend. And so whenever he goes to Europe, he like buys an alcoholic spirit that's like from there Mm. as a souvenir. And he went to Hungary and he brought like the Hungarian spirit and it's called a Unicum. (laughs) <laughs> and it is it is the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. I mean, petrol is is sort of doing it a disservice. Like it's it's worse than petrol. It is it burns. It it seems to be. I think pure alcohol would be easier to digest. Like I felt I felt I got cramped pretty much instantly. But the Unicum, it's any kind of I want to say Balkan surrounding areas. Spirit, no, it's it's bad, bad vibes. I think we've got to the point where, um, you know, if a national spirit is good, it's become famous worldwide. Yeah, we already know about it. We already know about it. Like beer, vodka, whiskey, gin, wine, sherry, that's a type of wine, I suppose, port, tequila. You'd say those are the spirits that work. They're disgusting, but they work. Yeah. Any new ones, stop. 
We've got the ones that work. The other ones are just petrol. No one is no no one's going to open a Unicum bar in Soho. No one is you know Uzo. No thanks. Yeah, I sometimes think they just exist to keep. You know, it's just for tourists to bring back, or maybe you know, like very old people sitting, you know, sitting around the table. That's what they would drink. Do you think when you get old, your mouth is just so done, it's finished that in order to taste anything, you you drink these spirits? Because you're right. Basically, what happens is that someone goes to a country. Oh, I'll buy the local spirit. Takes it back, keeps it in a little cabinet with all the other tourist spirits. Doesn't opens it once, goes and then it just dies and leaves that to their for their offspring to pour down the sink. Like what is actually happening to these sort of niche European spirits? Well, I wonder like if they are naturally dying out a little bit because yeah, people have realised they're shit. But then I think it's one of those things where someone will try and bring them back at some point. It's like some hipster will kind of go no do you know what we've got a great tradition in this country of making unicum and uh yeah i'm gonna bring it back and make my sort of artisanal unicum just like give it a second wind yeah if they found a way of mixing it then maybe but i would argue it's unmixable i think there's always sort of a race to kind of try and make a an old thing you know like i remember being in a sort of because i like i like sort of hipster beers and i remember being in a off license that sold lots of them and i was like what's this mead like why are you bringing back mead yeah. like and there's someone who's really like no listen you know like i really think this is gonna be like you know and it's so old it's so part of our roots you're like yeah but like probably rabies is part of our roots but we've got rid of it and it's okay you know <laughs> we moved on penicillin's better yeah yeah and it's the same with like you know natural wine like i like wine we've we've had wine for probably you know hundreds maybe thousands of years and and we know it's nice so why have we gone back to when it was shit precisely i couldn't agree more i mean you say you like hipster beers i'm i have to say that i've done i'm done with um i just i cannot deal with ordering a beer and being presented with a glass of grapefruit juice i've gone hard the other way i now only really drink like polish laborer lagers like tishki you know there's one that's called like zuba it's got a big bison on the front it's like seven percent those are basically the only beers i drink now central european eastern european beers best in the world stick to beer lads don't be going into spirits they're all death traps no, but I can't. I can't stress how bad Unicum is. Fair enough. Yeah, I. I think um, all those sort of yeah, forgotten spirits. I think need to be forgotten more <laughs> and like yeah. properly yeah. forgotten and consigned to the history books. I think that's uh, yeah, they're terrible and they need to go. So that makes sense. Okay, right now, Finn. Fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favorite film of all time, and the other is your least favorite song. What are they, and why? My least favourite film is the most recent Wes Anderson film. Yes. It was called... The French Dispatch. The French Dispatch, exactly. Uh, I have to admit I fell asleep, but only after I got very angry at how self-indulgent it was. Mm. And it's just piffle. Just all aesthetic, nothing going on. He doesn't seem to care that people are actually going to watch this. It's just him going, I have, a, I have an image in my mind... Let's just act it out. 
Let's not give them any direction. Let's just put a fucking guy in a worker's smock and let's just give Bill Murray another gig. I mean, it's just point, just pointless, just absolutely pointless. Do you know what? I've, I've completely agree. We, um, as a while ago, I was looking for something to watch with my wife and I hate that process of choosing something to watch. I generally end up just giving up, but we saw it was on iTunes or whatever. And, um, it's sort of like an algorithm. It's like someone fed in all Wes Anderson films into an AI machine. A com- well, I guess they're called computers, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. And, and just sort of said, you know, like, this one's been generated by, you know, making a Wes Anderson algorithm. It's got all this sort of, like, style and, like, the little funny little pernickety touches and, like, sort of weird little, I don't know, even the way they move and the way they sort of, like, everything's presented. But it's boring. Those touches are fine if there's, like, a story... Or even a setting, mm. but no, it's just garbage. Just absolute garbage. Yeah, and it's quite long as well, isn't it? It's, I think it's over two hours. Yeah, I really miss the days when films were an hour and a half, and you knew you knew what they were about, and um, Nicolas Cage was in them. I, I miss those like '90s stupid action hour and a half out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Good film to. Also, the other thing is, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Wes Anderson's other films, so it's sort of. You know, it could be a good one, but it's not. Well, you're, you're waiting, you're watching it and you're waiting for it to, like, start, basically. And then I think we must have both reached a similar point where you realise you're being had. Yeah. And it's not going to start. And it's just this. It's all bread. Nothing in the middle. And Yeah, and just being on the island, knowing that that's your only film. And, like, I think each time you'd start, oh, maybe it is okay, because you've got the familiarity of, of his kind of style. But every time you just go, oh, yes, I remember now. Yeah, it, it is that bad. Yeah, very disappointing. And what would your song choice be? I don't actually know the name of the song, but um, it basically, my I have a one-year-old, and she has, like, a, a thing we put her in when we like need to go to the toilet or have a, you know, like a bouncer thing. And it's got a little keyboard and she smashes it. And um, this classical song comes on, but it's like eight bit. And it's, um, and then blow that one. Is it something about spring, isn't it? Is it? I've got no, I've got no idea, remember. but it, it came on, um, the actual piece of music came on in the car. And I, I, I like on the radio, I felt genuinely triggered and sort of almost had to pull over uh, because it's just, you know, you have a kid and you have like, it has the toy and it just keeps, it keeps pressing the thing. And so that's just in your head all the time. Mm. And you, it's one of those things where you have to, if it starts and then stops, you get annoyed because even though you hate it, you have to get to the end of it to feel like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just a classic yeah. earworm that I cannot get rid of. And I feel like in this nightmarish desert island scenario where French Dispatch is playing on a loop, there's a drag queen, Phil Spencer's laughing at nothing funny, and a woman's just eating a raw fish. This, like underscoring it all, it's just gonna, it's just gonna, well, it's gonna push me to just walk into the ocean and not come back, isn't it? I guess that's what this, that's what this podcast is, isn't it? It's, it's what, what is your top ten sort of pre-suicide? <laughs> Touch points, isn't it? That's kind of what this podcast seems to be. Is what would what would what would push you over the edge? Yeah, I think that you know, there's so many things when you're a parent that make a sound or a noise, and it's always too loud. Like a lot of them, if you notice, a lot of kids' toys they have two volume settings, so there's normal. Yeah, I've noticed that. Normal is usually too loud already, and then there's a louder button, and it's 
why why did you think it needs to be louder manufacturers it's like awful i mean one very good tip my sister-in-law gave me is putting sellotape over the little speaker holes and that that then you've got it about the level you want mm. some of the toys you just get used to so that you can't really hear them they don't register anymore you've heard them so much they just sort of sink into the background but some of them they never do that. I don't know why. Some are more jarring. Or, or, or when there's a new one brought into the house, you're like, oh, just, I can hear this so much. Yeah. What's your number one enemy? There's a few things that, you know, the, the five-year-old used to have and now the one-and-a-half-year-old's got. So you thought you'd seen the back of it. Uh, yeah. But then it comes back, you know, you forget. You go, oh, there's this thing. Oh, yeah, he liked that. Oh, will you play with that? And he's playing away and you're like, oh, fucking hell. Um <laughs> I think it is it is definitely a recipe for sort of madness because you're often, you know, sleep deprived. You're trying to deal with someone that's just shouting at you relentlessly and you've got some kind of music that you can't turn off that's on a loop. You know, if you wanted to torture someone, these mm. are all tried and tested yeah. things, you know, like yeah. being screamed at, having music played at you relentlessly and not letting you sleep. Yeah, I mean, that's the Bush and Cheney administration, isn't it? Yeah. The other thing is that you're stuck on an island with this music and you hate it, but it's also going to remind you of your child that you've left behind. So it's like, it's going to be really poignant as well in a way, because it will sort of, after a certain time, you won't have heard it, you'll be feeling low and you'll hear this fucking music that you hate, but there'll be a bit of it that will just conjure up pictures of your child. Yes, but then the drag queen will start twerking to it <laughs> and all the all the beauty of that moment will be shattered. Yeah, yeah. By her going, yes! And then the, you hear the sounds of the, the raw meat going in the TikToker's face. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Finn, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? It's my father-in-law's dog. <laughs> um, I really like my father-in-law. I love, like my in-laws. Great family. Feel very honoured to be part of it. But that dog is, there's no other word for it. It's a cunt. <laughs> This, this is an old English sheepdog that everyone, she goes out on walks and everyone's like, oh, wow, because they're quite rare nowadays. Uh, and she looks like a Dulux dog, but she she grunts like a seal. She doesn't, she thinks she's tiny, even though she's massive. So she jumps on your lap. And if you're not stroking her belly, she basically barks at you until she does, <laughs> until you until you do. Uh, and so she just she just pours at you like this, and so you basically to shut her up, you have to lie down and essentially spoon her. If if you're in a room with her and someone's not stroking her belly, you can't do anything. So uh, yeah, she's the most annoying dog in the world, and I, I lived with my uh, in-laws in the first lockdown. So and I, I you know there was no no gigs or anything, so it didn't really work. So I was essentially dog sitting this piece of work. And yeah, the idea of going back to that is, um, well, it was a big reason why I got vaccinated. <laughs> Are your in-laws aware of your, your feelings towards this dog? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so that's I don't, I think, and, and, and um, my wife finds her irritating as well. And the, my wife's brother and sister, they fucking hate the dog. They really hate the dog. But um, my father-in-law is so loyal to it which should be the other way around, shouldn't it? The mm. dog should be loyal to the fuck, but he's got this misplaced loyalty for it. Also, there's a point where you think a dog's going to calm down, but she's like six now. Mm. This is just her personality. Yeah. Um, did you say that the island is overrun? 
with these animals. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that there's like multiple clones? She's called Ziggy. Oh my days. I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> I would kill myself. Do all your guests say this? Is this how this podcast always ends? Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, some people manage to find some kind of catharsis in it. Um, some people just feel sad at the end. I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes I feel guilty because they're like, oh, I was in a really good mood before. I don't know. I mean, you seem to be reacting, you know, quite negatively to it. And um, I, feel it- I feel itchy at the thought of of it like my skin's prickling something about the idea of an island overrun by old english sheepdogs like at first you're like <laughs> oh and then you just go god it really stinks around here is she a smelly dog because they sort of look like a dog that would be very smelly yeah 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 you need to um you know massage anal glands and all that other one and then um he does these huge shits man he's big she lays some serious cable that dog and just kind of has always got like a wet beard always got a wet face and so you've kind of got that kind of moldy salivary just oh i really like dogs but this one fucking this pushes me (laughs) and just she circles as well like a shark if you're in a if you're in a you're in a room sat on a sofa there's nothing better than having a sleeping dog Mm. like near you it's the most relaxing homey thing but she just paces like round a coffee table just breathe, <laughs> paces like she's waiting for someone to stroke. It's God, it's so unsettling. <laughs> she's either doing that or she's yapping at you to fucking stroke her belly. Just so tiring. I find dogs' bellies quite weird because some of them are like, you know, there's sort of like skin under there. No, yeah, at some point it becomes, yeah. Yeah, skin. like I knew a guy had this dachshund and it sat on my lap and I was like, oh, it's quite cute, quite velvety and nice. And then, yeah, it wanted, it's tummy stroked I was like it's like really hot skin it's like it's like it's something a bit creepy about it it's a, I don't know because it had the texture of like a chicken you know like the, when you yeah like yeah raw yeah, chicken but skin. really warm mm. and I mean I'm not a big dog fan anyway so it's like oh god you're are all dogs like this this is you no I'm a big I like dogs I really like dogs I guess that's the curse isn't it and I got lumped with the with the terrible dog mm. Well, you know, it just adds to uh, a rich tapestry of terrible island life that you've put together for yourself. Um, you know, you've nailed the brief. You you look uncomfortable with your decisions. Yeah, it's a fuck. It's a fucking hellscape. Yeah, um, but you know that just shows that you've you've you know you've done really well here. You know, you've you've really achieved what we set out to do. So uh, well done. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry, but uh, hey, look, let's distract everyone. Um, tell us what you're up to at the minute. Where can we hear about what you've got going on? Uh, you can follow me on all the, all the platforms. I am on TikTok, but I just post clips of stand-up and my internet show. I don't eat raw raw animals. Uh, Finn Taylor Comedy on across all social platforms. Uh, check out my YouTube channel. I'm going to do a stand-up tour uh, at the start of 2023. You can book tickets from fintaylor.com or Finn Taylor Tour dot something um i'll just google it my name's finn taylor just fucking put that in <laughs> you'll find it but my yeah watch my youtube series called finn versus the internet i mainly just post clips of that brilliant well finn thank you for coming on desert island dicks today i hope the rest of your day improves from here because i feel slightly like uh, i'm responsible for your mood right now but um it's been a pleasure from my end anyway thanks for having me i have i have hated it <laughs>
Finn Taylor there for your listening pleasure. Thank you, Finn, for joining us on this episode. Just about out of things to say here, except to tell you that Desert Island X is a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus, and edited marvellously by Chris Attaway, and supported in all weathers by John Deacon. I'm recording a lot of these at the minute, so there will be dicks flying at you thick and fast. I say fast, I mean once a week. We're probably going to stick to once a week. Well, if we don't, you'll know about it. So just stay where you are, make sure you're subscribed, and they'll just come into your consciousness and you can enjoy them in your own time. That's it. Bye.